Hey y'all, Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. Law Nation, welcome to the newest episode of the Passive Income Attorney Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today and spending some of your extremely valuable time with us to learn and grow. You don't want to miss this episode. We welcome J.R. Gondek, the partner and managing director with The Learner Group. He works with families to promote intentional communication and drive collaboration between all generations. He leads investment research and is responsible for shaping strategic policy. To put it quite simply, JR takes an extremely unique approach to looking at finances by involving your family, by talking to your kids and talking to your significant other openly and transparently about what's going on with your financials and your life in general, which is an incredible tool because a lot of times we're afraid to talk about money. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. JR, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, well, look, let's just dive right in, man. Tell us a little bit about your background and your story. I grew up in northern Wisconsin, you know, long time, very small town, continued south, studied undergraduate finance, and uh, ended up in Chicago for, for 20 years, building up kind of a business. Kind of grew up in the, in the business on the, the investing side, you know, picking stocks and, and such. And uh, today we've evolved to kind of the, the way the industry is going in a lot of ways and uh, more planning based overall. And got a team of 21 today. We manage about two and a half billion dollars. Gotcha. Uh, so dive in a little bit more. What, what is it about the, what's the difference between that traditional way and the new way? What, describe both of those and, and how you've kind of evolved. Well, I, I think when you go back to the movies, watching Wall Street movies, you kind of have selling an individual stock, very transaction based trying to, to make a lot of money. I mean, it was very kind of male-to-male dominated business, whether it's the advisor and, and kind of the patriarch of the family and such. And, and um, that's kind of how I, I started in the business, learning that way. And then as you evolve and you, you see families evolve over time and you can kind of see a better way, you know, a lot of estate plans were in order, but there just wasn't any communication. And the money was made, but it wasn't transferred. The legacy wasn't transferred. There just wasn't a lot of family communication and really saw the need to evolve to where the industry's going. And today, my team is, is very diversified, over half women and half men. And it really helps to balance off conversations because men and women think differently, clearly. And you really need to listen, you know, whether it's your business, whether it's planning, whether it's your family, to, to all, all points of view. And you end up with better results, we find. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's almost like a, a family approach, right? 100%. Yeah. So maybe dive into that a little bit deeper. I'm not sure I, I fully understand it either. So, um, you know, what I guess what continues to, you know, separate you from, you know, the traditional types of 
uh, folks like, let's say, Northwestern Mutual or Charles Schwab or somebody like that? What, what makes you guys different? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to focus on the entire family. I mean, and, and including both parties and simplifying things. Mm-hmm. It's too many times. Some people are super interested in investments, but not the whole family. And a lot of what we found is, is it, it tends to go over a lot of people's heads or they're not interested or they check out. And it's really, our, our approach has been to, to really simplify whether it's your estate plan, whether it's your financial plan, whether it's the investment plan. And one simple thing we like is a, a one-page net worth statement. Include everything you have. You know your insurance, you know your investments, you know how they're titled. And it really helps to bring things down and then focus on the planning, you know, overall and, and such. And then I, I think a lot of families tend to focus on understanding what their parents or grandparents have in place. But our approach is to really compare to the next generation and complete the entire family process. So you're comparing either up a generation or down a generation, and it, it just helps coordinate and, and money isn't lost in translation that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, keeping it simple, right? Because you're right. Some people within a family structure might be interested in it. Some folks aren't, or the, you know, one, one person in the, in the couple will be like, oh, you know, that person's the finance person. I'm not. And, you know, but they need to know too. They, they need to at least have some transparency and understand what's going on. And I think the way that you do it by breaking it down and keeping it really simple is the way to keep those folks and that half involved. Yes, it tends to be divide and conquer type of mentality with a lot, a lot of families. And it is when you, we can always get into the weeds of the details, but it just it tends to be that the, the bigger picture you can stay, the more people in the family feel included and the more comfortable everybody is talking things through and you end up with better results. Yeah. And I think if you, if you keep it simple, it makes it more interesting, too, especially for somebody that doesn't want to dive into the weeds. But if they see something really simple and they're like, oh, look at this you know, net worth statement, something like that, it almost gamifies it a little bit and uh, makes it a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. I mean, everybody's used to seeing a book like this, whether it's your estate plan, or your financial plan. No, we like to have two, three, four sheets. That's it. And yeah. summarize. Yeah. And it's crazy how many people don't even know, you know, what their net worth is, or they don't track it, or they don't track their, their income and their expenses. They have no idea. It's just, you know, money coming in and money going out and you have no idea what you have. So it's really hard to do any meaningful financial planning if you don't know where you're at and where you stand. 100%. We talk about the wealth return. A lot of people are focused on how much they have in their bank account, their 401k and their investment accounts. Right. And you don't look at your insurance value, your real estate, your loans, every, the, the holistic. And that's where you find a lot of value. You talk about the family planning and the wealth return, which encompasses everything together. Yeah. So how do you continue to keep, you know, I guess how, what would you suggest um, spouses do with the other to keep them kind of involved when a lot of times the other one is just like, you know, you just handle it. You, you, you deal with this, you do that. Um, you know, how do you keep that communication open? Well, a lot of that comes down to goals based and planning, thinking about where do you want to be in retirement and totally get the investments, maybe list the amounts you have, but then let's talk about what we want to do with our kids. What are our goals? What legacy do we want to leave? And you get more of an interesting conversation piece. What does the money mean? What does it mean to our family? What do we want our our children to embody and, and think about ahead? And that really helps to pivot the conversation off of such and it really gets to everybody together of wanting to participate in that conversation overall is what we find and then you can lead into other topics that maybe need to get a little bit more into the weeds mm-hmm. but you have to get it started before you can even get that going and that's the approach we tend to use yeah that makes sense if, if you kind of just 
take it out of just being like a hundred percent numbers game and more of like, well, let, you know, let's look at it. Like we're trying to secure our family's future our our son or daughter's future or our granddaughter's future. Um, it might look that be looked at a little bit differently. And the, the one thing we do a lot of is proactive gifting to the next generation. Okay. And that's a great way to start with small amounts of money to help to educate, whether it's your kids or grandkids, and it helps the whole family feel comfortable that the next generation is prepared to inherit wealth in the future. And it again, feeds back into that overall family planning. And, and that's been a very helpful tool for a lot of our families. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. What, what are those strategies? What are some of the best strategies to kind of pass wealth? Um, you know, we always talk about generational wealth, but what does that mean? It means being able to pass that, the wealth that we build up and create in our lifetime down to the next generation and so on and so forth. A lot of times it's lost between generations. And what is, I think it's by the third generation or so it, it's usually lost. So, you know, that's a little bit discouraging when, you know, we're working every day and, you know, doing all these investments and doing all these things to create generational wealth when on average, you know, it's all going to be for not here in a, a couple more generations. So how do you, you know, what are some of those best tools and strategies to help um, with that estate planning and to, and to preserve that generational wealth? Yeah, the, one of the best tools we like to use are trust and, and, so, and communication is, is a big key to that because, Everybody hears the word trust and it's like, that's for the only ultra wealthy. It's too complicated. I don't want to integrate that into my, my family plan. And a lot, it's just a really good tool we find to keep money in bloodline and then to help to, to educate overall. Because one of the things we find a lot of is there, there might be money set aside for kids or grandkids for college and other things. And then as the next generation is building up their own wealth, if there isn't communication, you have duplication between what mom and dad might be setting up for their grandchildren and such. And it's just not optimal. So that communication and then with trust and trust can be a very good vehicle where if they're structured properly, that you can kind of have money that grows tax-free like a college save plan from the beneficiary's perspective. And you can kind of mimic a lot of, of the tools or, or of, of a college save plan. So we, we like those as a really, really good tool. And you can start very small. Right. I don't have to have millions of dollars to put it into a, a trust accounting. Could start with that gifting that we talked about that starts with a little bit and, and really gets the conversation education process started. Yeah. So what amount makes sense? I mean, is it is there a, a minimum that you would suggest that says, okay, well, you're starting to accumulate a little bit of wealth. Let's start looking at using a trust as, as a possible vehicle to to transfer that, or or is there not, you know, a magic there, number? There really isn't a magic number overall. And again, a lot of people hear the word trust and think I'm not wealthy enough for that. And a lot of it is just, even if it's a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars that accumulates very quickly. And then when you get to the communication standpoint, families don't like to talk about money, right? It, yeah. it tends to be just a negative conversation. And when you start talking about planning, it's mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. I'm looking to plan for my kids. I just want to make sure that we're all consistent as a family. And that's really a good way to, to start family conversations as well is that we're trying to have consistent planning, not wanting to know how much do you have or how much might I inherit? Because that tends to be a, a big concern with, with families. You don't want to take the fire out of the belly, so to speak, of the next generation. But communication about structure and strategy is, is a good way to start that as well. Sure. Now, do you guys facilitate that communication? Like, do you meet with your clients on a regular basis or do you do it through education or how do you, how do you kind of, how do you move that forward? One of the most popular things we've done over the last number of years are family meetings. 
which takes a lot of work to get through because you need to be familiar with the wills and trusts and the estate plan, the asset plan, and, and there's a lot of pre-work with that. But again, it, it really helps to go through it. And we have three or four different models we like to use with families and it depends where you are in that stage of life. Some don't want to share the numbers and it's totally fine. And others just want to share the structure of, of what's in place. And it's just a, a nice way to, to, again, be simple, but get the family together, talk about what the money means, what's going to happen, what are the structures overall. And, and family meetings have been a very popular way to communicate. And in this day and age, it used to be difficult to get the whole family in a room together. But now with Zoom and other things, one kid could be on the East Coast and West Coast, but you could still get together on a Zoom call and, and facilitate a lot of that communication. It's been very effective. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, you, you it's a difficult hurdle to, to overcome to, to start having those, those meetings and build that transparency and communication because you're dealing with a couple of issues that people don't like to talk about, right? You don't want to talk about money or that's how, that's how most people have been taught. You're not supposed to talk about money. I, I always say on this podcast and to everyone, let's make it a transparent thing. Like we need to talk about money. It's important enough in our lives that we need to talk about it. But that's one thing. And the other part is death. I mean, it, those are two, two concepts that we don't like to talk about. So, um, you know, just starting that conversation is really important. It's nice to have an outsider, right? It's hard for family <laughs> to get together. So it's nice to have a third party kind of sitting in the middle. And the nice thing for us too is, is we, you know, kids and, and parents might not want to share how much wealth they have either way. And we could be sitting right there in the middle that know both without having to share but we end up producing better results with that information because you just get better planning, having shared and, and uh, know the entire picture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you, you mentioned that you have some estate planning attorneys on your team. What, what other team members and tools do you guys use, um, people, um, as far as um, what, you know, putting this whole thing together? You know, obviously, there's financial planning component. Um, estate planning attorneys, do you, do you work with um, other attorneys? Um, accountants, you know, who, who else plays a role in this, in the team? Well, it's the entire picture. And I, I think where we see the industry going a lot of ways, everybody's so busy. You, you want to bring your simplicity to your life, but then feel like you're in control. So one of our goals is to make sure you have all your trusted advisors on the same page, your CPA, your attorney, your family overall, but then go out and live your life. So it's, that's where the simplicity of understanding where everything is. You can check in know where, where things are, what changes are ahead, and then go do what you enjoy in life, whether it's business, if you travel, you name it, be with your grandchildren, and it's very effective. So with with the one thing I think I was wrong on when I, I say kind of growing up the old way in the industry, very transaction, I wasn't a big proponent of financial planning. I just figured, you know, you, you build up your wealth, and, and once you get to a certain level, financial plan isn't necessarily needed. But I've been proved wrong with, with my team over the last few years. It's a very important tool, especially with inflation and some of the stuff we're seeing these days, to just trust that your plan is going to take you all the way through. And then once you kind of have your magic number of, of what you know is enough, that really helps facilitate how can I start transferring to the next generation or other planning opportunities overall. Yeah. What, what are some of the, the biggest mistakes, I guess, that people make when they're transferring that wealth? Because, again, we, we already talked about how it, it, it tends to be lost by the third generation. I mean, how, how is it lost? What are, what are those mistakes that people make? The, the biggest one is just no communication. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the old kind of way of thinking is you'll find out what I leave you when I leave this earth. 
as opposed to any time sooner than that. And what tends to happen a lot of times we find is there's either taxes that are incurred between generation or money is left outright to the next generation that is already fairly wealthy. And then you get that accumulation over the rest of their lifetime and it enters into another taxable event when they leave this earth. So it's a lot of time it's just poor tax planning and communication between families and not looking long-term enough about that accumulation of, of wealth over 20, 30, 50 years. And that's, that's really the biggest thing we find is, is making sure that it, it stays consistent between generations. Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now, it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investments successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You wanna be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing, appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio. So you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really wanna make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort. So you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Gotcha. And what are some of, you know, what are some of the investments that, that you, uh, you know, that you're, you're suggesting and recommending uh, to your clients at this point in time? Because there's all kinds of things going on right now, right? With the, uh, you know, the increasing interest rates and inflation going through the roof. Um, it's, it's very uncertain times. I mean, it's hard to predict what, what's happening right now and what's going to happen even in the near future. Um, so, you know, what, what kind of things are you looking at right now? Well, we've been obsessed with inflation the last couple of years mm-hmm. and, and kind of positioned pretty well uh, against protecting that, right? And, and coming into this year, we really expected the Federal Reserve to be a little bit tighter with, with their policies, and they are, right? They're telling us we're going to raise interest rates a whole bunch of times this year, and we'll follow through on that to curb the inflation. But the reality is we're actually less concerned about inflation right now than we were the last few years. I mean, there's a lot of signs we think that have peaked. So as, as you're looking ahead to the, to the next year, we've been thinking about a lot of cash flow investments, whether it's dividend stocks, fixed income. Right now, going forward is actually probably interesting. Interest rates are high enough where you can lock in some good yields. It's been a tough market year to date. But from here going to the rest of the year, you, you can find some compelling returns overall. And then you want hard assets, right? Real assets in an inflationary environment, whether it's real estate, whether it's some version of commodity exposure and such continues to be a a compelling area that we like and and think investors should position. Because the reality is with the stock market doing as well as it has the last three years, a lot of our families are underweight real estate, right? Their financial assets have gone up a lot. Real estate 
the last year has gone up a lot, but not over the last three years. So the relative rebalance opportunity to some of the real assets is our areas we're focused on. That's interesting to hear because we, we, uh, we tend to bash uh, traditional financial advisors on this show a little bit and be honest with you. And that's because they, you know, they tend to steer folks away from hard assets, from real estate, from alternative investments. Um, and that's what this show is a lot about is exposing everyone to those other types of investments that you can get in outside of 401k, outside of stocks and bonds and mutual funds. So that's interesting to hear that you're encouraging that. How do you help your clients kind of, kind of do that? How do you help them diversify across um, all those different things? Well, it's, it's a matter of looking at, as I said, starting with that net worth statement and just being honest with the diversification, right? Stocks have done well. It is a good time to look at, at other areas and, and stay focused on the long term of a diversified portfolio and, and just look at the cycles. I mean, it's been 40 years since we've all been in an inflationary environment like this. So most people didn't have the kind of wealth that they do today during that, that period of time. And it's totally different. So it's a matter of of understanding history and looking ahead to, to where things are overall. And, you know, I, I think in our business, being a fiduciary, it's an obligation to kind of do what's best and where we see things and, you know, look at holistically at that is, is what makes sense. Cause a lot of advisors tend to only focus on the, the assets they manage uh, overall, as opposed to what matters generationally and, and such. And that's where a lot of this thought process comes from. And the other thing I would say is, I think so many people in the last two years have just changed their mindset since the pandemic. You can't take the money with you when you leave this earth. You need to enjoy it a little bit more. And, and having that second home or, or other places are a balance. And the work from anywhere trend is not going away. And, um, you know, those kinds of trends. I, I think it's a balance between enjoying your money a little bit more and just being mindful of what inflation means in the years ahead. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned something about uh, being a fiduciary. Could you kind of explain the difference between, you know, you being a fiduciary advisor compared to some of the, the other traditional uh, financial advisors that uh, exist well, out there? Like I said, with kind of growing up in the old way is very transaction basis. I, I want to sell you something that I think is going to go up tomorrow. And I get a transaction charge or a, a commission for that, right? And it's very kind of one-off. Whereas when you think about the fiduciary side, it's really the obligation to do what's in your best interest. So it's not looking to make a, a quick commission on recommending this and moving on to the next one. It's really understanding what your family needs are and where you're going and put it all together for the next generation, or the next 10 and 20 and 50 years ahead and not looking to make, like I said, a, a quick, quick buck on, on some quick idea. Yeah, and I think since you take that family approach and that generational approach, it's, it's long-term obviously. So the alignment of interests is a little bit more there compared to that more transactional financial advisor who is really just trying to get that, that commission on the sale for the lines of business that he can make the most money on. Whereas your firm is, is taking that long-term generational family approach. Yeah. Now, and we tend to become part of the family in a lot of ways. And, and the, our approach to, to management of, of wealth too, is our money is managed the same way. So everything we're, we're buying and selling or investing in personal portfolio is, is done the same way. And it really adds that extra layer of fiduciary type of, of status with, with what we do. Cause again, we, we treat our family's money as if it's our own, cause we own the same things. Yeah. 
Yeah. And building on that, I mean, what, what are your general thoughts about traditional investments versus uh, what, what I call alternative investments like real estate, real estate syndications, private equity space? You know, what are your thoughts on that? It seems like you take a pretty objective approach. 100%. I mean, it, it's a matter of, because I think in an inflationary environment, you really want to be focused on cash flow, right? And getting cash flow sooner. And that's one of the, the things the last 10 years, tech or growth type investments have done very, very well of, as kind of valuations have exploded the upside. But in environments like this, it's, it's an opportunity to say, look, that's done well. Let me take some profit and focus on other areas and, and understanding uh, overall diversification and, and alternatives in real estate and you know, crypto is another area of, of opportunity long term um, once kind of the, the industry addresses that a little more mainstream, but these are going to be avenues that are not going away and are, are helpful uh, generationally. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're looking at all sorts of different investments rather than just kind of focusing on the traditional ones that you can kind of see the bigger picture, even, you know, something like crypto. I don't know if I've ever heard a financial advisor even, you know, <laughs> have to say those words coming out of their mouth um, because it's just not something that honestly that they could benefit from. A lot of times. Well, in our industry, I'm a little bit disappointed from the standpoint we're playing catch up in a lot of ways. And I looked at it for, for my team and overall, it's our obligation to be educated. So we've really spent the last year and a half or so of, of really understanding deep dive from the crypto side. And we've had families that have made substantial money uh, in crypto. And the first thing we worried about is the titling and probate and, and other stuff that wasn't accounted for. So we really need to understand how do you retitle the crypto to make sure it's accounted for in your state plan and such. And as we did that, it, it was just necessary to, to figure out how it's working. And the reality is it's just not going away. It's going to be a while until the industry kind of catches up and, and it allows for it. But we didn't want to be falling behind that when it is allowed, that then we're trying to understand what's going around. So it's just a matter of being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you come across a lot of clients that, that are coming to you and, you know, maybe there's, they have a certain situation where they're, they're, they're trying to step away from their job or something like that. Do you help them kind of put a plan together to, cause you had mentioned you're, you're bullish on things that are strong, that have strong cash flow, um, which someone trying to maybe step away from their job might have that, that same interest. Um, do you have clients that kind of come to you and say, Hey, like, this is what I have. Um, this is what I'm doing now and how much I make. Um, can you help me put a plan together to, you know, maybe start uh, walking away from my job, you know, little by little, billing less hours. We have a lot of attorneys on that listen to this show, um, billing less hours and, and eventually maybe retiring a little bit early. Well, it's the biggest thing we learned from the financial crisis. So, you know, prior to the financial crisis, you'd run your Monte Carlo simulations of, you know, 10,000 different and you'd make 10% return per year on stocks and you'd map out your retirement. You're totally fine. Right. But what you didn't forecast was a 50% drop during the financial crisis. And that really hurt a lot of people in retirement and it changed our business model forever. So, where we pivoted to for planning for retirement, and such as really be cash flow based. I need 20,000 a month in retirement. Well, let's make sure there's cash flow coming, dividends, interest, or other investments that generate that predictable cash flow that you need. And it really gets the portfolio working for you. It's like the job you've had your whole career. Now you can see the cash flow. And what that does is, is in the ups and downs of the markets, that cash flow is very static and it's, it's very certain over time. 
And once you lock down that cash flow, then you can build on the multiple generations of risk and other things and all the other planning that goes with it. But cash flow is, is a very strong uh, method we'd like to use in planning for retirement or in retirement. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of that first, first hurdle you've got to get to is to replace that active income with some sort of a passive income vehicle, um, you know, depending on, on what you're doing, you might not replace it entirely or to get started, but little by little, you've got to kind of get there to at least cover your expenses. And that's kind of that financial freedom number, um, whether that you want to call that retirement or what have you. Yeah. And it's, it really comes down to sleeping in retirement. <laughs> Last thing you want is, you know, the, the market volatility and you're worried that you might have to go back to work. And having that cash flow certainty and watching that really puts you at ease in retirement. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the, the things that people fear the most, that they've saved their whole lives. They've made these investments. They go ahead and retire. And then something happens to the market like it did in 2008 and you lose you know, half of what you had had before. And then you end up going to Walmart and being a greeter or something like that. Yeah, and it's, again, it's, it's the concern with everything that's going on in the world these days, you, you want that certainty. And, and again, in the environment that we're probably going to be an inflationary period for a number of years ahead, it, it's a model that works tried and true. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Before we jump into the Freedom Forward, you got one last golden nugget for our listeners? Well, I think one of the big things that I, I'm concerned about personally is, is really you know, taking more time for yourself, right? You, you work, work, work. And I think the pandemic has been good to you know, be a little more balanced and, and take more time. And I'm a big proponent of, of being healthier. It fits together, taking more time off the more productive you are. So I, I think it's important for everyone to, to really be mindful of your health and your time off and you end up being more productive overall and tend to be more successful, I found. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the pandemic had certain things, certain good things that, that came out of it. And that was one of the things was, was people realized that you can have a life outside of, you know, going to the office 10 hours a day. There, there's, there's life and, and uh, there's a life to live out there outside of the office. And I found it kind of that less is more, right? Or work, work smarter, not harder, and you end up with better results. Absolutely. All right, man, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? I'm very regimented. So it's 4.30, I'm at the gym every day. You know, you have a stressful day, you burn it off. By the time you get through that, ready to go and refresh. And it, it, it really helps me. And I've been doing that for about seven years now. Awesome, man. I thought you meant 4.30 in the morning for a second. I was like, that's pretty early, man. I <laughs> my mind is good in the morning. My body's good in the afternoon. Yeah, love it. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way? And how did you get past it? I think, you know, I have four children, so I think it's that you can be a father and work and, and be present. I, I think a lot of people feel you, you have to be successful in your business and you kind of have to set your children to the side. And it's really setting that, that time apart and being present with your children and, and having that balance. And I think scheduling has done that for me, where you, you know where you are, you go to the gym and you can be present for your kids, you can be at the events, you can take them there. And, and I think being successful in a business and being a successful parent is doable. Yeah, I agree. You, you've got to put that phone down. I mean, you've got to be present when you're, when you're with your family, that's family time, put the phone down, leave it in the office and then jump back on it hundred percent when you get back in there. 
All right. What's one last actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? I, I think number one is put that net worth statement together. Figure out where everything is listed on one page. It's simple. It's organized. And then take that page and sit down with your spouse, talk about it, get some goals going. And it's a very easy way to get started. It's not complicated and it helps to facilitate that family conversation. Yeah, I, I agree again, man. It's amazing what that will do when you know, when you know the stats, what they are and where you stand, it, it gives you actually some motivation to, to keep it going. It almost gamifies it. Well, the anxiety level goes down. Like, I know I have this and this and this here. And you see it on one page in the bottom line. Totally like, wow. Right. Uh, it, it's amazing what it does for peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, some people, like I said, don't even track like their income and expenses. And they're like, where does this money go? Like I'm making $200,000 a year and I have nothing in savings. What, what is going on here? And then when you start breaking it down and look at, uh, start tracking your expenses, like, oh, goodness, I need to cut this out or cut down on this. And then you can actually start saving and investing and, and planning for your future. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? Let's just balance things out, right? And I think seeing the cash flow overall just helps to bring down your, your anxiety if you have that or, or stress level. And it helps to stay diversified, right? There's ups and downs in every business, every cycle of the market and, and industries are different. And, and having sort of passive income to balance things off does help to provide for either your, your vacation trip fund or whatever it might be to, to just enjoy your life a little bit more and not kind of work, work, work all the time. For sure. All right, brother. It's been awesome having you on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, either our website, Hightower Learner Group or LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it, a lot of the social media platforms. Yeah, everyone get out there, follow JR, get on his platforms, and it puts out a lot of great educational content. So jump on there, follow him. Um, JR, again, it's been awesome having you on the show. Talk soon. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, JR Gondek, incredible guest. JR, thanks again for coming on the show. And I hope you listeners out there can take something valuable home with you. And for me, it's you know tips and tricks about how you can bring up those tough conversations or at least I wouldn't say tough, but the conversations that we don't normally have with our family, with our significant other, and with our kids about money, because money is extremely important. And if you think that it's not, then you're just lying to yourself. And it should be something you can talk about openly, honestly, and in a transparent manner. So hopefully you can take that home with you and start having those conversations and relieve some of that stress of not being able to talk about it, right? So until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.